Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. You're going to notice something a little bit different. We are recording these in video format now, and you can find them on Rumble and YouTube. And so we're doing something a little bit different. If you want to see behind the scenes of the podcast, sort of watching me on my computer and talking to you, uh, this is a great new way for you to do it. Today is Thursday, September 23rd, and uh, we're going to give you a little bit of the headlines, answer some of your questions, and talk about why I think if you stick around, you're going to be encouraged. So for all of you homeschool moms and dads, let me ask you a question. How is your school year going? Do you guys feel like you're settling into routine yet? If not, that's okay. Welcome to the club. I've got some help for you if you're still trying to figure out a good fit for your writing and grammar program. I really want to encourage you to take a look at the Institute for Excellence in Writing. My friend Andrew Pudawa has designed an awesome program and I've used it for years. And the best part, you can try it right now for free. You can learn more at IEW com forward slash Heidi. So thanks for tuning in today. So many things going on in the news. And as I'm looking through your questions coming in, uh, I'm going to answer some of them today. I want to remind you, I think there's a lot for us to be encouraged about. So keep your eyes on the Lord and watch what's happening in the news with the grain of salt, really, that comes from knowing that God is still in control and he is on his throne. Before I get going today, I want to remind you guys, I'm going to be doing my off the bench series, how you and your family can get onto the front lines and off of the sidelines in the battle for faith, family, and freedom. I'm going to be doing an Oklahoma tour. So come on out and hear me. I'll be out in the Midwest, October 1st in Mustang, Oklahoma, October 2nd in Tulsa, and October 3rd in Enid, Oklahoma, home of my wonderful friend, Melissa Crabtree. So come on out for that. Uh, if you guys see the threats that are happening around you, but you don't know what to do about it and uh, you're trying to figure out how you can get off the bench and onto the battlefield, I'm going to teach you how you can make a difference and give you five ways that you can get off the sidelines and onto the front lines as you walk out your faith. We're going to talk about what it looks like really to engage the culture and encourage others to do the same. Again, that's October 1st through 3rd in Mustang, Tulsa, and Enid, Oklahoma. This is my Oklahoma Freedom Tour. So come on out and we're going to talk about how you guys can get off the bench and onto the battlefield. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, most important thing for me today, anyway. October uh, is coming up, but right now is September, September 23rd. Today, my oldest daughter, Savannah, turns 30. And so happy birthday, Savannah. Uh, 30 years ago today, I became a mom. And uh, the very best thing that ever happened to me, I never talk people out of having children. Uh, the most wonderful things that have happened in my life and the life of my husband have almost always involved our children. And so this is exciting. So we're excited to celebrate with Savannah today. I want to read an off the bench story to you. This one comes from Jen Wiggers in Lafayette, Indiana. Heidi, I have six kids and I've been homeschooling for 15 years. 2020 pushed me over the edge. Get in line. Uh, and the schools were mandating masks, shaming people who didn't get the shot. Teaching CRT and transgenderism schools have become indoctrination camps. It's garbage. Absolutely right. I decided to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. My husband and I started Living Stone Homeschool Academy three days a week at our church. Public school students in the community are leaving these tyrannical schools and they feel lost homeschooling. So we are offering this additional option for their students. I can't express how grateful I am for you. I constantly say amen as I listen to your podcasts. We might've been separated at birth. Thank you for emboldening the others that now is the time for followers of Christ to take a stand. Sacrifice is required 
but I believe it will be worth it. Keep fighting. We are called to the battlefield. I love that. Thank you, Jen. And also, you know, we talk about being called to the battlefield, but the reality is every single one of us is here for such a time as this. We are literally born for this time in human history. The Lord of Heaven's armies is not wigged out by what's happening around us. And in fact, Bible prophecy is very clear that things are going to get a whole lot worse before the return of the Lord. If you've never read uh, the book of Revelation, now's a great time to do it. And also, I did a study for MomStrong International called People Get Ready. It's a four-month study. If you want to dig into the book of Revelation, I'm going to link back to that in the show notes today. It is a fantastic study. You can grab a bunch of other people and do it together, and you can purchase that study. Again, it's about a four-month study, so it's pretty meaty. It's going to take you into the imagery. It's going to unpack the book of Revelation, talk about how Revelation and Daniel are tied uh, together, and give you some hope for what's coming up because we as Christians, we are not people who are walking this out right now without hope. We know how this thing plays out. We've already read to the end of the book. And so we know that the return of the Lord is imminent and uh, I'm excited, you know, the imminent return of Jesus Christ. You know, we could live to see it in our lifetime, certainly in this generation. And so check it out. That is the study that we did last year live, but it's available and you can go through it with your uh, women's group or with your family. Uh, Again, that study is called People get ready. Uh, I'm going to go over some headlines, but I'm trying really hard to keep up with your questions. I love to answer your questions. If you guys want to get those to me, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, and you can leave me your off the bench stories. Really want to hear how you guys are getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. I think that you would be surprised at how encouraging it is when people hear your stories and what you're doing and how God is leading in your life. So I'm just going to encourage you uh, to do that. A listener in uh, Iowa, Michelle, wrote in and said, Heidi, I'm pregnant after a miscarriage of eight weeks in June. Excited and trying to be hopeful. How can I make sure I spend time with my other two daughters, ages five and seven, after this baby arrives? And how do you make quality time for each child? And do you have practical tips for homeschooling and traveling with an infant? I'm nervous that the new baby won't fit in uh, and too big of an age gap is going to be present. I'd love to hear your thoughts on adding a new baby. All right. So first of all, Michelle, can I just encourage you? Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. That baby is going to fit right into your family like a puzzle piece that you didn't even know was missing. And so I think sometimes as moms, you know, every time that we added a baby, you know, we have seven children and every time a new baby was added, the dynamics in the family change. And that's okay. It's okay for the dynamic to change. What's not okay is for you to be freaked out because you think, oh, there's a too big of an age gap. So you want to hear a really big age gap? My daughter, Savannah, and my oldest daughter, who just turned 30 today, and my youngest daughter, Sailor, are nearly 20 years apart. And guess what? God had a perfect place for Sailor to come and join our family 20 years after Savannah did. And so it's really important for you to just trust in the timing of the Lord. I think, you know, every child has a different love language. So there are, you know, in all of our, in all of the uh, personalities that are in our family, some of our kids have uh, the need for quality time, and some of them don't. Some of them, they are words of affirmation. Some of them are gifts. I think the hardest ones for me, especially in this season of my life, are the gift one, because I'm not very good at gifts, and uh, and quality time. I'm an acts of service girl. As you guys might be able to tell that, right, from the podcast and from the things that I 
that I feel like the Lord has equipped me and called me to do almost always have to do with serving others, coming up with solutions, working together to solve a problem. And so that's sort of my love language. It's how I show people I love them. But what we want to remember is when you're trying to reach the heart of your child, it's not about your love language and how you receive love. It's about how that child receives love. And so it sounds to me, Michelle, like your love language might be quality time because that's what I'm hearing in your question as you're saying, how do you make quality time for each child? It's possible that you have a child that the quality time thing matters to you, but it doesn't really matter to them so much. Like maybe they want to be, maybe they want to have just be able to spend a little bit of time with you as you're making breakfast and it's not that big of a deal. So I always tell parents, don't, don't kill yourself over this little bit of quality time. I think what really happens Uh, as our kids get older, and certainly this has been true for me over the years, it's not so much the quality uh, as it is, are you consistently speaking into the life of your child? And when that new baby arrives, you're going to have lots of opportunities to read books to your kids, to help them hold that new little baby brother or sister, and to incorporate that child into your life. So I would say sit down and try to figure out, I mean, your kids are five and seven right now, And you've got two little girls. So maybe make a schedule. So I'm a huge fan of a schedule. I actually wrote a book called The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Daylight. And if you've never picked that book up, even if you're not homeschooling, it will really help you just organize your family and try to figure out how you can be the mom that you want to be, be the wife that you want to be. Um, and the homemaker, and still get food on the table at dinner time, right? So, and it's okay, actually. Let me just throw this in there: Cheerios for dinner. I'm a huge fan. So, um, to me, I would say, you know, um, it, homeschooling with them, same thing. I think that schedule is really important. So you don't want to overshoot it. So you're not looking to schedule your day out, you know, in 15 minute increments necessarily. But what you're trying to do is establish a flow for your day and a rhythm for your day. That is what's really important to children. And honestly, it really helps families do better as long as we know, oh, we've got a rhythm. So even if you get off that schedule and, you know, let's say the the baby's not going down for a nap or whatever, and the thing that you wrote down that you wanted to do, you don't get to do, that's okay. Uh, Tomorrow you can come back on the schedule and then eventually you're going to get into a rhythm. And so I think that that rhythm is really important. Also, something that we have done every time we have brought a new baby into our family is to spend um, the months of pregnancy really helping that child bond with the baby. So any books that you can find um, on um, fetal development, talking about pregnancy with children, it's so important that they make that connection with the baby before he or she is born. And uh, it's amazing how that translates. You know, people used to say to me, I can't believe that you had, you know, three children and then it was four children and then eventually six and then seven. And uh, I think part of the miracle, honestly, of bringing a new baby into the family is that the the capacity that we have to love really does grow with each new baby, each new addition. So Michelle, I'm really excited for you guys are going to do great. Rebecca from Alaska. Heidi, the Lord uses your podcast daily to encourage me. Thank you for letting him use you. Rebecca, you're welcome. Thanks for your question. I'm a public school teacher. Uh, my district is planning to roll out the vaccine incentive program that would give fully vaccinated employees a $500 bonus. Nice. Bribery. I like it. Uh, they're refusing to give employees who cannot get the vaccine due to medical or religious reasons an opportunity for a bonus. Is this legal or ethical? Based on my understanding of the Civil Rights Act in the ADA, it is not. So, yes. So, so I would be inclined, Rebecca, to agree with you. It sounds like this is discrimination on its face. With you, When you give a medical or religious reason why you 
you are unable or unwilling to take an experimental vaccine, then it's wrong for them to give uh, a bonus to one group and not to another. But I honestly think that's where this is going. If you look and see what's happening in Hawaii, if you watch what's happening actually all across the country, non-vaccinated people are being discriminated against. And frankly, I would blame the Biden administration for a lot of this divisive rhetoric. It was Joe Biden, remember, a couple of weeks ago who said that we are in a pandemic of the unvaccinated, literally pitting vaccinated people against unvaccinated. So I think you're going to see lawsuits. I'd be looking for a class action lawsuit in your area. My hunch is this is what's going to happen in Arkansas, just like what's happening in Washington state. And you got to stand up for your rights. And I keep telling people, you know, it's either we do it now or we lose our freedom. And once we give our freedom away, it's going to be very, very hard to get it back. And again, you know, I keep saying this and I'm just going to, I guess I'm just going to keep on saying it. We're talking about a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. So is the, is the Rona real? Absolutely. Do I know people who have died from it? Yes, I do. But the fact of the matter is people die every single year. They die from pneumonia. They die from uh, other viruses. They die from bacterial infections. They die from sepsis. We die from cancer. Uh, and we, And to cripple the country and cause this wave of discrimination uh, to pit one group of people vaccinated against unvaccinated, masked against unmasked, really is what I think the adversary is using to draw deep divisions in this country. And one can only wonder where it's going. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think this is a violation of your civil rights. And I think, as I've said, this is going to be the civil rights fight of our generation, will be the fight for medical freedom. And even if you want to get the vaccine, surely we can look at this thing and say 99.9% survival rate. Can we, is it ethical or right or moral or good to force a person against their will to take an experimental vaccine? And every single day, the stories of people who are being injured by this, by this vaccine, even dying, listen, if a side effect is death, then certainly we shouldn't be forcing someone to take it against their will. And so I've said before, I actually do not believe that these religious and medical exemptions are the way to go in the long term. I think right now it's necessary because we, we haven't quite figured out our footing now with this um, unconstitutional overreach into your privacy. Why is no one talking about HIPAA? There's a question for you. Uh, so I think that the, the exemptions are good for right now, but in the long haul, just like Rosa Parks said, nope, not going to move. We're going to have to say, nope, not going to do it. Why? Because I don't want to. And that should be enough. It's a violation of my of my personal liberty. It's a violation of my conscience. Whatever it is, we shouldn't be having to fill out med uh, medical and religious exemptions. Because when we fill those exemptions out, what we're saying is, yes, we agree, government, that you have the right over my bodily autonomy. I mean, that you have the right over the bodily autonomy of your citizens, just not me. Well, we don't believe that. And so there has to be a better way. And I think that you're, I think we are going to start to see lawsuits filed. And I'm telling people, hey, get on board with these things. Uh, it's never been more important than it is right now. I want to touch on a couple of things really quickly, and I'll get to some more of your questions tomorrow. And then we've got a wonderful guest coming on on Tuesday. We're going to talk about special needs homeschooling. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But Joe Biden gave a speech before the United Nations on Tuesday. And if you, if you missed it, well, Honestly, he's painful to watch. I mean, the, he, he rabbit trails, the stuff he says, oftentimes it doesn't make sense. But I thought this was interesting. Uh, the former ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, addressed 
uh, President Biden's talk to the United Nations and said that he ignored the reality. This is a quote from Nikki Haley, that he ignored the reality and seriousness of America's threats and enemies. President Biden's speech uh, did that. She told Fox News, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, Afghanistan, and terrorism, to name a few. So basically, he's a weak leader, and he refuses to call it America's enemies, even though they terrorize people in their own country and people around the world. This is fascinating stuff now, because we're watching uh, Barack Obama point two, right? Uh, Obama's uh, decision to lead from behind, which he thought was a good idea. He did not believe in American exceptionalism. Certainly, we're seeing this in our schools and our universities. We're telling the students, we don't care if you're good at it or not. And we are going to lose our footing in the world as a result, as sure as I'm sitting here. This is what she continued to say. Under the Trump administration, the world knew where we stood. Haley, who served under former President Trump, said, at the U.N., we took the names of our enemies and we had the backs of our allies. She added, with Joe Biden asleep at the switch, our friends don't trust us and our enemies are rejoicing. I could not agree with her more. Um, as you as you watch uh, Biden's unwillingness, remember, our two biggest threats geopolitically are Russia and China. And he refuses to even call them out by name. Uh, he does discuss the human rights issues that Xi Jinping is is continuing to support all throughout China, but he's unwilling to call these guys out by name. Why? Because he's a coward. Because he's a coward. Boy, it's rough to watch. Hayden's, uh, Haley's comments, rather, come after Biden addressed the United Nations in New York City on Tuesday morning, telling his international peers that the world stands, quote, at an inflection point in history. Yeah, you right. It's an inflection point, all right. Question is, where are we going to go after this thing? This guy is doing more damage to our country in the first seven months than any president in the history of our nation in the entire year that they serve. This is unbelievable. Uh, he said that the United, States, the, the United States intends to, quote, lead on all of the greatest challenges of our time, but not alone, underscoring the importance of alliances and partnerships around the globe. Biden, during his speech, addressed a number of shared global challenges, including the COVID-19 pandemic, nuclear proliferation, emerging technologies, and climate change, because we don't want to leave that out, as well as his administration's withdrawal of all U.S. military assets from Afghanistan. But he didn't, of course, address national security threats that are currently being posed by China, Russia, and Iran saying instead, we are not seeking the new Cold War or the war divided into rigid blocks, he said, which was, uh, and he's in, he's intimating, right, talking about China there and adding that the U.S. is, quote, ready to work with any nation that steps up that pursues a peaceful resolution to shared challenges, even if we have intense disagreement to the shared challenges. Maybe that intense disagreement could be the Uyghur Muslims in China that Xi Jinping is sending to concentration camps. Maybe that's maybe these human these human rights violation and uh, China's absolute intent intention to steal intellectual property from the United States. Maybe those are some of our shared challenges that we can or cannot get around. This guy's a joke. It's an embarrassment, this whole administration. And I think, as I've told you guys this before, if we don't stand up right now, America needs to decide who it is again. And we've really lost, I think, our sense of national identity. There was a national pride. We're watching people um, wanting now to have two national anthems. You guys, if we have two national anthems, all it will do is seek to further divide this country and uh, increase the erosion in our national identity. And it really is a shame. There's a couple of articles I would love for you guys to read. 
I'll link back to them in the show notes today. Uh, Ronna McDaniel in talking about Biden's U.S. U.N. address said, is Biden living in an alternate reality? He has not revitalized America's alliances like he's claiming at the United Nations. Politicians in the U.K. condemned him for his Afghanistan withdrawal and France just recalled its ambassador first time in history that that has happened. Transatlantic relations already suffered when the Biden administration greenlighted the Russia-Germany Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline project, a decision that angered Poland the Baltics, and less affluent nations vulnerable to energy supply cuts and whose history makes them wary of Russia. This administration is a nightmare. We need to pray for our nation and pray for the Bible tells us, by the way, that we are called to pray for those who are in authority over us, those who uh, have risen to authority. And in many cases throughout scripture and even throughout all of history, you look back and you can see that God uses weak and evil leaders to judge nations. And I've been talking about this now for what, 17 months. Is the United States being judged right now? You tell me. Sure looks like it to me. We've got blood on our hands with uh, with abortion now. What are we at? 62 million of our unborn murdered. I find it so fascinating that the uh, the hard left and the pro-COVID vaccine people are also pro-abortion and they would state the same argument, my body, my choice. The, the hypocrisy, the stunning hypocrisy of the people on the other side of this argument is actually, uh, it's amazing to me. And this is a clarion, this is a salient moment for our nation. And we're going to determine now, I think in the next couple of years, where the nation goes. And as we we begin to see vaccine passports attempting to roll out all across the United States, the question is, do we care about our freedom? Do we care about the way that we lead in the world? Do we care about restoring and uh, and revitalizing American uh, greatness and American ingenuity? And I do. I care about those things. I think it's important. But you know, and I know, as believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that judgment begins in the house of God. And so as I always do, I'm going to encourage you guys, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, start going back and studying what you know about the word of God and applying it to your everyday life. Be the people that God has called us to be, who love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. That is where we're going to find healing. It's repenting from our sins and being the people that God wants us to be, looking to our our fellow citizens and people around the world and saying, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. And now, probably more than ever, for sure, in my lifetime, I know a lot of you are feeling the same way. We have an opportunity to do that. And I really hope we rise to the challenge. Thank you guys for listening today on this very first video that we have ever done. We'll see how it goes. And we're going to keep trying to to, uh, get this out here on YouTube and Rumble. Please share this link with your friends. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.